Yo, how is it going, Bears fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Bear Down Podcast, where we talk everything Bears every day of the week. I am your host, Chris Malpe, and I am joined today by my co-hosts, Parshaw and Jalen McClinton. How's it going, guys? It's going great. Going great. We are joined with another special guest today. We've got Missouri grad who covers the Bears for NBC Sports Chicago, a father of twins who apparently were recently born in December, he has over 70,000 Bears-related tweets and 11.8 thousand followers on Twitter. Welcome to the show, J.J. Stankovitz. I think I pronounced that right. You did. A lot of people mispronounce it and add like a W in there for no reason. Um, so I appreciate <laughs> you getting that on the first try. That's not easy to do. No worries, man. So with J.J. today, we're going to be talking basically everything Bears. We're going to be covering some stuff that went on last season, uh, this recent offseason with free agency, and we're also going to be looking ahead towards the draft. So let's hop right into it. JJ, I've got the first question for you. A lot of people look at this year's draft class and, and receivers as something that stands out. Uh, do you think if someone falls to the second round, someone like a T. Higgins, someone like a like a KJ Hamler, do you think it's realistic that Ryan Pace looks at someone like that? Or would you like to see guys like Javon Wims and Riley Ridley see the field more in 2020? It's funny you're asking me this question because I'm currently in the process of publishing an article on NBCSportsChicago.com looking at five receivers I think the Bears should huh. strongly consider with one of their two second-round picks. So my list, I, I was looking at guys who are explosive in college either on deep balls or with yards after the catch. So I've got Denzel Mims from Baylor, okay. Jalen Rager from TCU, Chase Claypool from Notre Dame, LaVisca Chenault from Colorado, and Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. Okay. I think those guys, those guys all kind of fit that bill of you know whether you got a a really good deep ball threat like a, a Denzel Mims or a yards after the catch monster like Lavisca Chenault or Brandon Ayuk. Um, I think th- those guys are are really interesting options because I'm not super high on the idea of just replacing Taylor Gabriel with Javon Wims and Riley Ridley. Uh-huh. I, I think those guys are unproven, and I don't. I don't see either of those guys as being the kind of big play receiver the Bears need. I see them as more, you know, I, I think they could be good receivers, don't get me wrong, but they're not yards after the catch guys. They're not really accomplished deep ball guys. You know, you can get the ball deep to Javon Wims a little bit, uh, not in the way that you could get it to, you know, a Denzel Mims or a Chase Claypool downfield. So I think that's where I, I'm interested to see what the Bears do because it, They have other needs, obviously, as you guys know. You know, they need to get another guard in there. They need to get probably a cornerback, a safety, a tight end, you can make arguments for. So receiver might seem like a little bit of a luxury, given you already have Allen Robinson, you have Anthony Miller, you've used all these draft picks on receivers previously. But if the Bears are into maximizing the explosiveness of this offense, I think they need to go get someone and getting that guy in the second round in a draft that's very deep with playmaking receivers could be a pretty good way to do it. You recently wrote an article about five offense linemen that the Bears could look to draft in the look to draft in the NFL draft. Out of those five guys, which one do you want the most? I like John Simpson from Clemson. I, I think he's. I, I just like accomplished offensive linemen who have been part of really good offensive lines in college. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, he's a guy, if you look at some of the tape of Travis Etienne last year, he's in the middle of that, carving out a lot of holes for him. I think he fits an inside zone scheme like the Bears run really well. 
Um, and, you know, a lot of the write-ups on him say he's got a great work ethic. Dabba Sweeney really liked him. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy who was really well-respected around Clemson. So I, I like the idea of that. The one thing I, I'm trying to wrap my head around, though, is the Bears have – they could the Bears could say – we don't really need another guard because we're going to have Jermaine Effetti, yeah. Alex Bars, and Rashad Coward battle it out for that starting spot at right guard. And then essentially whoever loses that battle becomes a valuable backup in that he has experience to play guard and tackle. You know, and you can, it could be both Effetti and Bars or Coward uh-huh. and Bars or, you know, whatever it may be. So the Bears may look at it and say, we don't actually need another offensive lineman. What I see, though, is that what they need is someone who's just kind of mean. And I, Lawrence Holmes and I <laughs> talked about this on the Under Center podcast this week about how the Bears just kind of lack that like meanness factor on their offensive line. And I like the idea of going out and getting a, a big physical brawler in the middle who can improve the run game. Absolutely. You know, and, and with Simpson kind of oh, being yeah. that guy. Cool. Uh, so what's up, JJ? Uh, so do you – do you think it's, uh, the Bears could potentially tie to, draft the tight end in the draft? Excuse me. The Bears have met twice with Bryson Hopkins, but we have also recently signed Jimmy Graham, and not too many people seem to be sure about like what's next for uh, Trey Burton. So please give us some thoughts about that. Yeah, I, I think the Trey Burton question is, is a really tough one because no one really knows what his health status is going to be, and I think the Bears have to wait until training camp to find that out. I don't think they can go cut Trey Burton today. I think they need to wait to see him on the practice field during training camp. The the uh, the inability to have any in-person workouts during the off-season program definitely doesn't help the Bears' case here because they don't they haven't been able to get Burton in the building before the draft to see where he's at. Uh-huh. He's he's in there. I, I think he can be in there rehabbing, but. You know, the Bears can only have a very light staff inside House Hall due to CDC restrictions and then the, the ones the NFL put in place. So yeah. I think they probably should draft a tight end. I don't think they should draft a tight end with one of their second-round picks. I like Bryson Hopkins as an option in the fifth round if you were to fall that far. I, I think it would be a bit of a reach to go after Cole Komet or Harrison Bryant or – one of the, you know, an Adam Troutman from Dayton, one of the higher end tight ends. Now, if they were to trade down out of the second round and maybe get a third or a fourth round pick because of it, then you're talking about, you know, that would be a good spot for, you know, an Albert O from Mizzou, who I, even though as a Missouri grad, I still can't pronounce his last name. Uh, yeah. You know, him or like Harrison Bryant or someone. That, I, I just don't think using a second round tight end when you've made these bets on Jimmy Graham and to an extent Trey Burton makes a lot of sense right now also rookie tight ends usually don't have a big impact their first year unless you're getting the next george kittle or rob gronkowski those guys are probably not going to be significant contributors to your offense in year one and if you're going all in on 2020 then it doesn't make a lot of sense to get a guy who isn't going to really help you be all in on 2020 absolutely so we all saw what happened this offseason you know the bears were it seemed pushing to find a veteran to, to push or possibly take over for Mitchell Trubisky, who struggled a bit in 2019. Ended up sending a fourth-round pick to Jacksonville for Nick Foles. Uh, Ryan Pace had said all offseason that Mitch was the guy. Now he says there's an open competition. Who do you think ends up starting week one? Yeah, I think it's Nick Foles. Um, I, I think that the trust factor between him and Matt Nagy 
is going to be the deciding uh, thing that goes in his favor. I just think that Foles has a his reputation is really good as someone who can come in off the bench, obviously, and win you games as he did in the Super Bowl. But I think just that knowledge and that experience, especially in big games, is something that Matt Nagy really has has wanted. And he hasn't quite got it out of Mitch Trubisky. He's got inconsistent play, really good play at times, really poor play at times from Mitch. I think if the Bears just get sort of a level performance steady every week, you know, which Foles could provide in this offense, Uh that's what Matt Nagy really wants. I think that there's not... The uh, there still is a little bit of hope in some corners of Hell's Hall that Mitch Trubisky can be the guy they thought he was going to be three years ago. But I think uh, Matt Nagy has to win in 2020. And I think Nick Foles is going to give him the best chance to win. I think week in, week out, Foles is your guy. Now, you could take a bet on Mitch, but that's throwing away three years of evidence that Mitch is not a true top-level, mid-level anything better than slightly below average starting NFL quarterback. So I think you got to, you got to see what Foles can do in the offense, but you also do have to at least allow the possibility that a true competition brings out the best in Mitch Trubisky. I don't think it will, but I think you have to prepare that it could. So that means giving Mitch a truly fair shot in training camp. It might not even, you might, it might not need to last very long. It might not only last a week, but you have to at least give Mitch that one final shot to see that he to see what he can do, and then you go to Foles. Absolutely. Um, so, why do you think the Robert Quinn acquisition is so important? Well, because Leonard Floyd couldn't get sacks. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's true. And, and you guys all saw it last year with Khalil Mack. I mean. Khalil Mack's one of the five best edge rushers in the NFL, and he you yep. can't get through when you're getting consistently double and triple teamed Absolutely. on every single play. Yeah. There was no mm-hmm. pass rush opposite Khalil Mack, and then, you know, with Akeem Hicks being out, there was none of the interior push that helped him out so much in 2018. So the Bears had to go out and improve on Leonard Floyd. And I, I think there's been a rush to kind of bury Leonard Floyd I get yeah. like Leonard Floyd could not do the things that you wanted edge rusher to do as number one, get sacks. But Leonard Floyd's really good against the run. He can do some things in coverage. Those things Robert Quinn is not as accomplished in doing. So getting Robert Quinn tells me that the Bears say, you know what? We've got one of the best pass rushers on the planet in Khalil Mack, and we sort of wasted him last year. We can't do that again. And if it means that our run defense gets a little bit worse because Leonard, you know, Robert Quinn isn't setting the edge as well as Leonard Floyd, if it means that we can't do as many creative things in coverage or with blitzes because we don't have a guy who can really drop it back in Quinn instead of Floyd, that's okay because Khalil Mack is going to be able to get to the quarterback a whole hell of a lot more with Robert Quinn taking up some of those one-on-ones and winning those one-on-ones, meaning you can't always double Khalil Mack. Absolutely. And if Team Hicks is healthy – then between Mac Hicks and, and Quinn, that is a truly fearsome pass rush yeah. that will be better than what they had in 2018 and should also cover for whatever deficiencies might arise in the secondary, whether it's because Artie Burns is starting at cornerback or Deion Bush is starting at safety. Yeah, I mean, you also can't forget about Eddie Goldman, too. I, I feel like he's so overlooked yeah. on this team. Eddie Goldman's such a good player. You're, you're absolutely right about that. 
Definitely. So staying on uh, off-season acquisitions, this is a question we have asked uh, our some of our recent guests, and we want to keep it going. So out of the three former first-round picks to bear sign this off-season, who will find the most success in 2020 out of a Fetty, Mingo, or Burns? That's a really good question. I think I think it'll be Artie Burns, and that is just a, a very rough guess, and that's mostly just because I think I trust Chuck Pagano to scheme things up to make it so Burns isn't always on an island. Uh Um, Whether that's, you know, having Eddie Jackson shade over the top and making sure that he always has some cover and, you know, essentially saying to Kyle Fuller, hey, you're good enough. We can sort of throw you on an island on the other side of the the defense. Uh Um, The, as it relates to, I I think Mingo is is more of a backup. Special teams guy. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't quite see him being a big impact guy. And then a Fetty is a really interesting question because he's he's talented, but if if you looked at some of the responses from Seahawks Twitter when the Bears signed oh, him, yeah. it was a lot no, of LOLs yeah. and LMAOs and oh my god, you can have them and stuff. Yeah. Them, yeah, but I wonder if kicking him back inside to guard will help because that he played guard his rookie year and then exclu- pretty much exclusively played tackle from 2017 to 2019. Maybe just moving him back inside to guard with the change of scenery will help. The one thing that – this is just sort of a, a, a bone I have to pick with the Bears offseason is if they didn't think Harry Heastand was the best teacher of offensive line play, yeah. then, I, you know, if you if you can't get Harry Heastand to get, build you a good offensive line, I'm not sure anyone else can. Juan Castillo was out of work last year. So I, I'm not quite sure I buy that switch as being a good thing. You know, when yeah. when Matt Nagy says, you know, well, Juan Castillo really likes this guy, I'm sort of like, eh, you know, <laughs> I ought to trust Harry Heastan's opinion a little bit more than Juan Castillo's on that type of stuff. But that's that's more of a tangent. Absolutely. So you just you just gave a little bit of praise there to Artie Burns and Chuck Pagano's way of, of scheming the defense. But the way things are looking to play out, it seems like there's a good chance that we can see either – neither or both of Deion Bush and Kevin Tolliver out there on the field starting week one. So out of Deion Bush and Kevin Tolliver, which which of those two guys are you more comfortable with starting week one? Oh, boy. Um, yeah, I think probably Deion Bush. Okay. Just because I've seen him do it and play okay next to Eddie Jackson. If you go back to the end, or that was, well, that was, that was Adrian Amos, but I've seen him play okay when he's needed to start recently. And I think this is also another Chuck Pagano thing. Chuck Pagano is a really good safeties coach. Uh-huh. That's kind of his area of expertise. If you go back, you know, he was at Reed's guy at Miami and then with the Ravens for a little bit. I, I trust Chuck Pagano to figure out the safeties. I, I trust him with the cornerbacks too. I think more so the safeties. I, I, I haven't seen a ton out of Kevin Tolliver. I think he's a good, okay player as a backup. Uh-huh. But, you know, he was undrafted for a reason. You know, he's a five-star recruit at LSU who never really amounted to much there. Goes undrafted. You know, I think the Bears – this is – I really think the Bears need to draft a corner. Um, you know, whether it's – if you know, maybe a guy like Jalen Johnson from Utah falls all the way to them. That would be a fantastic pick. Or A.J. Terrell from Clemson, Christian Fulton from LSU. These guys, I think, are really solid corners who could do the Bears a lot of good if they draft them. But, that, I mean, that being said, Kevin Tolliver probably, I think he, I would give him the edge over Artie Burns right now uh-huh. before seeing either of them on the practice field. 
but I, I, I don't feel super confident in that position. It's kind of what I was saying earlier. I think the Robert Quinn signing was a, an admission that, hey, we can, we can go out and improve our pass rush, and maybe that'll help cover for some deficiencies we might have in the secondary. What do you think about uh, a cornerback in the second round like a Cam Dantzler or Trayvon Diggs? If Trayvon Diggs were to follow them in the second round, that would be a fantastic pick. Yeah, I, I really like him. I just I find it hard to believe he he'll be available at number forty three. Uh, you know, I'm looking for guys who are who are kind of long, uh, who can play that kind of press, more physical style that Chuck Pagano wants out of the corner opposite Kyle Fuller, who's playing a lot of off coverage. Um, that's I like Jalen Johnson a lot from Utah. I don't know if he's going to be available at number forty three, but if he is. That should be a very easy pick for the Bears to submit via Zoom. <laughs> All right, Parth, what do you got? Many, pe- uh, many people say that the running game is a quarterback's best friend. Do you think David Montgomery gets it going in 2020, uh, like assuming the offense line improves as well? Yeah, I think that last part is the, the, the biggest thing for me is that the offensive line has to give him some help, as does the coaching staff. I don't think David Montgomery is the problem with the Bears' run game. He is as low on my list as he can possibly get in terms of the run game. The problems with the run game are a, the offensive line B or I guess a one, the fact that they didn't have a quarterback who could stretch the field last year. A two, the fact that their coach was scared of running the ball after having a couple of bad runs during a game. So David Montgomery, when he got the ball and he was given opportunities to kind of get into space and wasn't always hit at the line of scrimmage, he was good. He, he's yeah. I, his ability to carry defenders for five extra yards on a given run is awesome. I, I really like his game. He's not the explosive mm-hmm. running back that, you know, a lot of the top end guys in the league are, but I really like his ability as kind of that tough inside zone runner to, car- to carve up a little more yards. And I think he's got more in his toolbox than Jordan Howard ever had. I like him more than Jordan Howard in terms of his ability to continue runs gain the you know an extra yard or two here or there and then obviously catch balls out of the backfield but it's going to take the bears offensive line being better in 2020 number one for matt Nagy to trust himself to run the ball and then they're gonna have to hit some deep shots downfield so teams can't always just kind of play up and say we're not going to let you run the ball because we know you can't pass it so those three things mm-hmm. have to happen first for then me to really say okay david montgomery can go ahead and be the guy the bears thought he would be last year Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I remember personally watching that game against the Chargers last year when, when he had that 55-yard run that almost went for a touchdown, and I was like, this guy can do stuff. This guy's special. So, Jalen, what do you got? So, um, how do you think the NFL is out in 2020, and where do you think the Bears will finish? Yeah, I think the Packers still are at the top of the division. Um, it, it's hard to bet against them the way that their, their offense has – Aaron Rodgers yeah. to be very simplistic <laughs> about it. I know Aaron Rodgers was not the impressive Aaron Rodgers of years past last year, but he's still Aaron Rodgers. They're still the Packers. Their defense, I really like the talent on their defense. Darius Smith is awesome. Uh, you know, they've got some good young players like J.R. Alexander, Darnell Savage in the back end. I think Green Bay is still the class of the division. And then I think it's a battle between the Vikings and Bears for second. Uh, I think the you know the Vikings got a little bit worse when they traded Stephon Diggs. They stood that was a good move for them. We'll see what they do with the first round pick they got from Buffalo there. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know the Vikings were kind of they're essentially capped out this year, so they weren't able to make a ton of big impact moves in free agency. You know they they're probably losing Everson Griffin, who's still out there. Uh, I, I'm not sure the Vikings are going to be a lot 
better in 2009 in 2020 than they were in 2019 but they're also a playoff team in 2019 yeah so i think you're looking at maybe you know if the bears can win themselves 10 games that should put them a little just a, a nose ahead of the vikings and then probably a little bit behind the packers with the lions still bringing up the rear uh with uh, good old matt patricia as their <laughs> head coach do you think the bears can make the playoffs in the uh expanded playoff field Oh yeah, yeah. With the, the playoffs going to seven teams, that definitely teams. helps the Bears' yeah. chances. But I, I think the Bears have would be a legitimate playoff contender without the seventh playoff yeah. spot. I think that if they can just get healthy and figure out a quarterback who can just get the job done, that is this is a team. I mean, it's easy to forget that they still won eight games last year, even though it felt like they won four. They they still managed to win eight games despite having a ton of injuries, one of the worst offenses in the NFL, and a defense that took a step back. Yeah. So I think that there there are some reasons to think that the Bears can bounce back this year. To me, though, it's all going to come down to depth. Yeah. And the Bears in 2018 were able to manage their depth really well. They didn't have a lot of injuries. And when they did have injuries, you had guys like Sherrick McManus stepping in and playing really well. Or you you know you're able to kind of cover for Khalil Mack getting that ankle injury in October and only, you know, losing, dropping two games during that. The Bears last year did not have that depth. That's why you wind up with them going eight and eight. I think this year, if they can just, if they can win on the margins of their roster with some better depth, and I think having more draft picks will help. Yeah. That will be a huge key for them in, in a playoff push, especially late in the season. Absolutely. So I think that's the last Bears related question we have for you. We have, we have some, some more personal life related questions now. So, you were a graduate of the University of Missouri. I'm not going to ask you when you graduated, but um, but now you hold a is that, spot. Is that supposed to make me feel better? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, but now you hold a spot at NBC Sports Chicago. I think I mentioned it before we actually got you on this call when we were talking about getting you on, that, that everyone that does work for us, whether it's us talking to you right now, editors, behind the scenes, writers, everyone's college or younger kids. So what advice would you have to young, young adults or children trying to one day enter sports media? I think you guys are already doing it. Just, you know, ask people to come on your podcast, ask for advice, ask, you know, just build connections. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. I, I, I think you guys have, you know, you, you've done a really good job with this podcast. And if you just kind of keep at it and keep making connections, some, you know, one of those times it might break. Absolutely. I got, I got really lucky in college that I, so I, I started doing a White Sox blog when I was a freshman in college and I was able to build, I mean, not like, you know, a big following or anything, but I was able to have somewhat of a presence. Um, and I just, I DM'd our old digital director at, uh, then CSN Chicago. Here he, Oh, he's cutting out. 2010. Um, you guys got me? Yeah. Yeah. You're good now. Okay. So in 2010, I, I got an internship at CSN Chicago, and I haven't left ever since. Sweet. Uh, I, I was able to you know continue to make connections there, got hired back after I graduated in 2011, so there's the year. And then uh, from there, I pitched my old boss on, hey, we should cover Notre Dame. Comcast and NBC had just merged. Uh, Notre Dame's two hours away. It was on NBC, so... I went out and started covering Notre Dame in 2011, 
And then 2012 happened with them going undefeated, making the national championship, Manti Teo having a fake dead girlfriend. <laughs> our, our business of covering Notre Dame exploded because of those three things. Um, and I was able to become, I was able to start covering Notre Dame full time while also chipping in on the White Sox and Cubs beats. Sweet. And then 2017 rolled around. I got moved up to the Bears beat and I've been on it ever since. So I, it's kind of amazing that I've worked at the same place for the last decade, um, yeah. even before I graduated college. But just keep doing what you're doing. Be regular with your podcasts. Always write, always read. And, you know, I go back and I read some of the stuff I wrote when I was in college. And some of it, I'm like, it was terrible. Yeah. Some of it, I'm like, oh, that was, was okay. You know, I, I actually turned something decent out there. So just keep at it. That's the biggest thing. Um, it's, it's a really hard field to crack into. But if you're persistent, and you're good at it, you're going to find a way in. Absolutely. Thank you very much for that. Can you explain your current Twitter banner? We just looked at it recently, and it just cracked me up. Uh, of course. You guys are you guys are a little too young for a, a good Simpsons reference, aren't you? Yeah, probably. I, I guess. Yeah. I guess. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. It's from one of my favorite... Oh, sorry. My, my Twitter banner is not of the... It, my, it used to be of Homer Simpson holding a, a pennant that said TV sports. Uh, okay. my current tw- I forgot that I changed my Twitter banner. If you haven't watched, I think you should leave on Netflix. It's a tremendous show and I highly recommend it. And okay. that's what it's from. Okay. Sweet. So uh, like sticking to Twitter, you have a lot of cool Twitter following you. Uh, many of cool big names, reporters and media brands like Waddle and Sylvie. What has been your coolest interaction with a famous athlete or reporter regarding Twitter? Um... I think actually it was when during the uh, – no, this wasn't during the World No, it was during the – when the Cubs are in the World Series, um, Evan Turner uh, was bragging about how he stole two bases on one pitch in Little League Baseball. <laughs> and, you know, the, you know Evan Turner, the former AP Cubs yeah, basketball yeah. player of the year. I think he's on the yeah. Hawks now. Yeah. Uh, but he was with Portland at the time. He was bragging about it. So uh, there was a video of it, and he retweeted it and tagged me in it because I was Evan Turner's uh, sixth-grade baseball teammate. <laughs> and he was like, hey, my buddy's a reporter here in Chicago. He, he'll, he'll back you back the story up, and I did. Um, you know, that it, it was funny. Like, when Twitter started and I was in college, anytime you got, you know, this, like, big name or, you know, an athlete retweeting you or – some you know big media brand following you it was really cool and you felt like oh man like i'm really starting to make it absolutely i'm trying to remember what my first one might have been um but you know nowadays i you know after games bears players search their names all the time on twitter so if if i were to we tweet something about a player uh you know it, it might get liked by them i remember when i covered notre dame um, I tweeted something. It, it was against Georgia Tech in 2015. And Alizé Mack, who was known as Alizé Jones at that time, he didn't make it in the NFL, but he was a tight end for them. He had a fumble late in the second half that got Georgia Tech a field goal. And I was like, you know, he's got to have better ball security. That, that can't happen. Oh, no. I come up the next day and I find out I'm blocked by him on Twitter. I didn't tag yeah. him in the tweet. So he's just out there searching his name and blocking whoever's saying something negative about him, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah, um, I, th- I think we all are similar on that. We 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 all run pretty big fan pages on Instagram, and I commented once on Jordan Howard's page that he had two point four yards per carry. So wasn't too happy about that one either. So <laughs> I guess we can relate on yeah, that end. Well, JJ, thank you very much. Too. 
Thank you very much for joining us, JJ. Yeah, anything you guys need, just let me know. Appreciate it. So if you guys would like to find more of JJ stuff, you can follow him on Twitter at JJ Stankovitz. You can find his columns on NBCSportsChicago.com. And as he mentioned earlier, you can also catch him on the Under Center, Under Center podcast from time to time. That's an NBC Sports production. And if you'd like to find more content from us, you can check out our website, BearedDown.com. You can find a link to all of our fan pages down in the description. And you can also find the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at BearedDown. Guys, any last words? Parth and Jalen? Stay safe out there. We're going to get through this. Absolutely. Yeah, just, uh, like stay safe. Make sure you wash your hands. Social distancing is very important. <laughs> um, think about others and not just yourself. Definitely, and bear down always. I guess we can all all uh, end up looking forward to virtual OTAs. So there's that at <laughs> least. But thank you guys very much for tuning in, and as always, bear down, Chicago. Peace. Peace.